Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Yes, Father. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, praise you, praise you. Amen. Wow. It's good to be back. Wow. You know, that second song we were singing there about make me a vessel. I think about that story. Well, it's not a story. It's a, it's a, a fact. It's what happened. It's not just some story. It's not some fable. When Jesus was in the, the Pharisee's house and the lady comes in and has the box of perfume, a bottle of perfume, so to speak, that was very expensive. And she broke that and poured it out on his feet and began to cry on his feet and wipe that with her tears. And, and so often we focus on the woman, but it's the value that was in her hands that was the important part to her, what she had in her hands. So what is our value? What is our value? It's what's in our hands. It's what's been given to us, and we are that value. God looks at us. He don't look at perfume or, or um, you know, tangible things to pour out to him. Yes, we do give our tangible things to him, but it's the power of the spirit on the inside of us that we are that, that box. We are that alabaster box that we need to break ourselves and pour onto him. And that's what worship is. That's what we're doing in this time is we're breaking the box of who we are and pouring out that oil on him. Amen. That's what we need to be doing. When we sing, when we praise, it, it, it doesn't have to be, our, our praise and worship doesn't have to be just singing. It's just adoring him. You know, the, the, the Lord's prayer, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That is breaking right there. When you say hallowed be his name, we are breaking our vessel and beginning to pour it on his feet. Don't hold your vessel back. Don't hold back who you are. Break it open. Break it open. Break it open. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this time that we have together. Father, I thank you so much for the um, opportunity, for the honor of getting, the privilege of getting to stand before you, Father. Your presence is here. Your presence is here because we're here. We're here. We carry your presence. And today we break open who we are and pour it out on your feet and let you just have who we are. Have who we are. I thank you, God, for all that you are, all that you do, and all that you're going to do today. We praise you. We thank you so much for who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you have anything I didn't even ask you? All right. All right. All right. Well, welcome, y'all. Before you have a seat, Tell somebody hello that you didn't say hello to a while ago. All right? We'll get started. All right, all right, all right. How's everybody doing today? All four of you are doing great. How are y'all doing? 
All right. Well, this morning we want to welcome our Facebook Live. We want to welcome those who are joining us on the N3C.TV format uh, platform um, who are watching. Thank you so much for, for joining us this morning. My name is Darren Gleghorn. I'm the lead pastor here at Cowboy Church. And uh, it is an honor and a privilege to get to be here with you again. I've missed you guys so much over the last few weeks. Um, thank you. Um, man, it's been, uh, it was an honor to get to be with my dad when he passed. And uh, man, what a cool, cool experience it was. And, um, you know, death is never easy, but it is a freedom that my dad has now. You know, it's, it's, it's such a freedom. And um, <clears throat> so uh, I appreciate I appreciate all the prayers and all the positive vibes that were sent my way. And uh, it, was a, it was a good thing. It was a really good thing. So uh, anyways, y'all, y'all awake this morning? All right. Well, we've got, a, we've got an awesome treat for you guys today. Um, back, back in uh, 1997, I had the opportunity to go to a cowboy minister's conference. Cowboy, you know, how many cowboy ministers are there that they need a conference, you know, <laughs> especially in 1997. But uh, we, we gathered uh, all cowboy ministers in Laughlin, Nevada, of all places, Laughlin, Nevada. It is like the, the armpit of uh, Nevada, you know. It's probably the ugliest piece of Nevada, and Nevada really wasn't that beautiful. Um, it looked like an atomic bomb went off out in Laughlin, Nevada, and who would build a casino down there, you know? Um, so us cowboys got together in 1997 in a casino, Don Laughlin's casino, rented a room, and just uh, had a great time together. It was such a treat for me because I got to meet my wife at that conference. And, uh, and uh, Johnny Rowlett was there. He, you were running sound. You were doing all the music for Koi. Um, so I, I met Johnny there that year. And so I've known Johnny longer than you have, <laughs> but not longer than Lynette. Lynette had done work for Johnny. Huh? Anyways, um, 1997 is when I met this man and, and the, the anointing, the call of God on his life is, is tremendous, uh, gifted in music. But not only that, he's a powerful preacher. And you know, a lot of times guys like him who are on the road, him and Gail, Gail, his wife, um, so, um, a lot of times for them, sometimes people just label them as an evangelist. And uh, Johnny, you can evangelize people. You can, you can do that evangelist stuff, but you are deep. He's deeper than just evangelism. He is a deep thinker and uh, just an anointed dude. And if you don't follow him on Facebook, you need to because he does. you do a word every day. You had your 500th episode the other day. So... Um, tremendous, tremendous anointing, tremendous blessing that they are. And so um, I am not going to take any more of his time because he's going to sing a little bit for you and then he's going to preach. And he's got a word for you guys this morning. I don't want to give it all away, but uh, would you all give a Cowboy Church welcome to Johnny Rowlett. It's good to be here in 3C something. I, I list like Northern Colorado Cowboy Church, but I get it. I get it why you have to prepare. For, you know, I get that. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm so excited to be in the house this morning. It's been a long time coming. I should have been here a lot of years ago, but I just, uh, 
I've been just being weird out there somewhere. So I just want to let you know, camera man, they, uh, Mr. Glenn Smith used to call me Jumpin' Johnny Rowlett, and it's because I'm all over the place. So, hey, what? What? Okay, so, okay, so, I, <laughs> we're going to have a good time today. How about y'all? I don't know about you, but I'm coming to the house of the Lord to have a good time and to enjoy and to receive something and to leave here better than we came in. Amen. It's my honor and privilege. This is my beautiful best friend, my bride, Gail Rowlett, right there. She's a, she likes to be stared at awkwardly. So go ahead. <laughs> We're so excited to, to be here and, and I, I, I've been tuning into your services for quite some time. And uh, last week I tuned into the, I guess, I, I said youth pastor, but does that fit your title? Youth, kids, student leader. Oh, okay. All right. Student leader. Tuned into the student leader last week, and uh, <clears throat> I had a whole message that I had kind of prepared for this, and he just wrecked it. Because I, I, I loved his message so much. And, and one of the things that he was saying, and I'm going to get into some music here in a minute, but one of the things he was saying was that, that dis, the distraction of the enemy, the tool of the enemy, I think one of the, the, the most potent tools of the enemy is distraction. And he can get us focused on what's wrong with us, what's wrong with our circumstance, what's wrong with our political system, what's wrong with our world, what's wrong with our neighbors, and we lose track of what's right with him. And my heart is this morning to say, I'd love to see that when you, when you get distracted, you lose, you can get, you can lose your assignments. Am I right about that? Is that what you said? And, uh, and when that stirred me up and then I just started uh, thinking about something I want to share with you guys today, but the way that I work, I'm not your typical uh, music evangelist, if that's, that's, I appreciate what you said. I like to use music as a way to lower the wall and a way to really let you, uh, we kind of become friends, and then I just bring the hammer. No, I've never brought a hammer. My, uh, my pastor used to say, this is supposed to be a feeding trough, not a whipping post. Amen. I do want to take a minute and just honor the worship team. That was a blessing. And I would like to ask you, yeah, come on. <clears throat> I would like to ask you if it'd be okay if you came back at the end and did that first song again. If I didn't have any other thing, that was a confirming word for me to what the message was. It fits right, perfect. Isn't that good how God does that? That's right. I uh, had the honor, I was in uh, Bridger, Montana recently, and I did a, uh, a funeral for a ranching family, uh, a mom, the mom, the matriarch of the family, and she had gotten saved later on in life, and she had raised these three crazy ranching cowboys, and I'm talking about hands, I'm talking about in the middle of nowhere, Montana, rough, rough cowboys, and they asked me to come and do the funeral and sing at the funeral, and I had met her a few times and, and had known her, her heart and her passion for her boys. And part of that deal of her passion for them was that she, didn't, she knew that they understood religiously who God was. 
But she understood that the religious, the religiosity of the whole situation had somehow blocked their understanding and their uh, ability to have a relationship with the father. And so her, everything she did was all about trying to find a way to connect a real God with her real kids, these rough neck cowboys. And I found a song, and it's not one of my songs. It's a Garth Brooks song. And to be honest with you, I'm not the biggest Garth Brooks fan. <laughs> I, was, uh, I already made three people mad. Did you hear that? I was like, what? <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, I, you know what, though? I watched his, uh, he has a thing on Netflix, a documentary, and I'm like, I'm wrong. <laughs> He's cool. I was wrong. Okay. So it's good to admit you're wrong, right? Jim? I don't know. There's no Jim. Y'all looking back to see if there's a Jim. Look, you, you, you go to church here. You should know that's not Jim over there. I'm just talking, but Jim knows who I'm talking about. Okay, I'm just saying. I want to sing <laughs> um, when I need, my wife is like rolling her eyes. I can feel it from here. You ever feel your wife's eyes roll? She's a queen eye roller, I'm telling you. I want to do this song, and uh, I have to put on these. I turned 51 recently, and I, need, I, gra- I got these for my birthday. How are y'all doing? Yeah. I just want to sing this. This is the song I sang at the wedding. And here's the deal. At the funeral, same thing. Don't clap at that. Jim? Everybody seriously is looking for Jim. All right, I'm sorry. I'm going to have a good time this morning. I just want you to know. uh, This this song, when, when I sing it, I want you, instead of thinking about what the song is about, you know, the love of a wife or husband, I want you to see it as the love of the Father. And that's the way that I shared it. And if I could have a little bit more mic, I'd appreciate it and just kind of lean into this song. And uh, I hope that it ministers to you the way it ministered to me. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, so somehow the thing got disconnected. I think you can reconnect it from there, man. That happens sometimes when we... How are you guys doing? <laughs> oh, man, I'm so so grateful to be... I'm, I'm in such a good mood because I just... When we pulled in last night, I, I pulled in this parking lot, and it just blessed my heart to see what God is doing here in Lucerne, is that how you pronounce it? It's not Greeley, it's Lucerne, and it's just, man, it just made me so happy, and I woke up in a good mood with a lot of smoke in my throat. We accidentally slept with the windows open last night, and I woke up this morning, I had like dust, I'm like, what is going, so do we think we got it yet? Oh, there it is. I think y'all know the song. If you could just kind of rethink your, the song, and just hear it from the Father's heart this morning. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Father. So grateful, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. When the rain's blowing in your face And the whole world is on your case I would offer you a warm embrace 
make you feel my love When the evening shadows and the stars appear And there is no one to dry your tears I would offer you a million years To make you feel my love I know you haven't made your mind up yet But I would never do you wrong I've known it from the moment that we met There's no doubt in my mind where you belong Oh, I'd go hungry, I'd go black and blue And I'd go crawling down the avenue And there ain't nothing that I wouldn't To make you feel my love mm. You're so good, Father Go to the ends of the earth for us Thank you, Jesus End of the universe The storms are raging on a rolling sea Down the highway of regret The winds of change are blowing wild and free But you ain't seen nothing like me yet There ain't nothing that I wouldn't do Go to the ends of the earth for you Want to make you happy, make all your dreams come true If you could just feel my just want to make you happy make all your dreams come true but you could just feel my love amen <clears throat> thank you father Father, we just thank you this morning. We bring you honor. We bring you our best. Father, by our very presence here this morning, we are saying with everything in us that you're worthy. You're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our honor. You're worthy of our love. We lift you up, Father, this morning. We take our focus off of our issues and focus on you, Father. 
And we thank you that as we sit down in your presence, you stand up in ours. You stand up in our situations. You stand up in our circumstances. Holy Spirit, you know every single issue going on in this room, every family hurt, pain, situation of stress, financial situation, and we just thank you in the name above every other name that you will minister life to every heart that is willing to hear you this morning and to receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen? Amen. Praise God. I'm excited. I want to do... uh, I want to do a couple of songs off of uh, this brand new CD that we've got. Um, we've had some really amazing things that's happened to us, and I don't really want to get into the, all that because you've had some amazing artists on this stage, and I don't really need to try to be anything equal to them. I'm here because I don't, not because I deserve to be. I'm here this morning not because of talent, not because of gifts, not because of something of intelligence. It's I'm here this morning because of a good, good father <laughs> that, that continued to restore and to renew and to reconcile me to him and never quit on me, never gave up on me and loved me through it all. And I want you to know that what's great about that is the good news about that is I'm no different than you. He's in the same restoration businesses as he was for me. I wrote this song, and I can't believe I'm going to do it because it, it it's a kind of a crazy, fast, fun song. But I wrote this song. I, we were talking about this morning. His dad gave him a 1970 uh, Trans Am, right? Am I right? Pontiac Trans Am? And uh, is that with the, the bird on it? Oh, it's got a little bird. Okay. That's whatever. <laughs> It's got a little bird on it, but it's still the Trans Am. <laughs> still, come on. Um, I had the opportunity. My dad's also in the car business, and, uh, and he lives in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. And uh, well, I got to restore an old Mustang with him. And the, the idea of getting to go and hang out with my daddy, you know what I mean, and restore this 1969 Mustang was just such a huge honor for me, and and it wasn't really about. I didn't really get all the. All I knew is I get to go hang out with my dad, and get to actually help him restore this Mustang. Because when I was a kid, all I ever had to got to do was you know hold the light. <laughs> you guys know just me. Okay, whatever. That was miserable, wasn't it? And then, you know I have ADHD, so I'm like, he's like on the carburetor. I'm like, okay, you know. That was, that was my, or my other job was to fetch tools, you know, go get me the 916 box in and you better pray that's where it's supposed to be. Because if you got 3.7 seconds to find that thing, or he's going to hit you with it. <laughs> that was it. That was my life. And so now I'm this old guy that gets to work with my old man and I get to, I don't like to call him old man, my father. And I got to help him restore this, this Mustang. And, and it was just good. Gail and I both did it. Gail was in there. She lost every fingernail she had. She, we spent a solid month finishing what he had started, and it was awesome. And when that Mustang rolled out of the, out of the garage and the light of day hit it, I started seeing something different. And I'm like, I just started getting excited. I'm like, this, this car is me. This car is my dad. I was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, this is what God did in my life. 
I was busted and rusted and disgusted. I was, I was a mess. I was falling apart. I was dirty. I, was, I, I needed someone, a father God, to step in and restore my life. And he took what was broken. He took out the old and put in the new, right? And he got involved and put in elbow grease in that. So I went and wrote the song, and it turned out to be my first ever number one song. And it's called The Old Mustang. And I hope that you guys just see yourself in this song. Come on. Whoo, come on. Give me a little bit more mic, please. <laughs> Through the dust and the grime and the dirt and time, you can see all the miles and years. The pain is faded. It barely made it. Could bring a man to tears. Well, the dents and the dings and the rusty rings hide what she used to be. Well, she may be nothing but junk to you, but she showed us good to me. Well, the tires are flat, suspension jacked from the rough roads in her past. Yeah, the motor's blown because the rods are thrown, but she used to be so fast. All the cracks in the pits and the windshield chips make it really hard to see. Well, she may be nothing but a mess to you, but she means the world to me. This tired horse, it may be not broken, that's it. And you think her life is done. But me, I see so much more. One day I know she'll be restored. And partner, that old Mustang is going to run. Oh, and someday this Mustang is going to run. Listen. This ain't what she was created for, what she was supposed to be. But with some love and restoration, she will finally be free. Oh, this tired horse, it may be broken, and you think her life is done. But me, I see so much more. One day I know she'll be restored. And partner, that old Mustang is going to run. Oh, and someday this Mustang is going to run. Listen, somewhere along the line, I started writing this song, and I realized that people are going to get it confused. They're going to think it's about a car. This song ain't about a car. It's about me, man. It's about what God did for me. He didn't quit on me. He didn't give up on me. He saw a future for me. He had a hope for me. He saw peace in my life, joy in my life, victory in my life. And that's the same God that you serve to this day. So I wrote this last verse just to make sure there's no confusion on this. Listen to this. I'm withered and worn, tattered and torn from the miles and the years. My heart was jaded, my mind was faded, and I shed a lot of tears. Well, the scars and the pain and the guilt and shame showed who I used to be. Well, I may look like a mess to you, but he still got plans for me. This tired horse, oh, it may be broken. Come on. And you think my life is done. But in me see so much more. One day I know I'll be restored. And partner. 
This old Mustang is going to run. That's praise God. Come on. I'm going to have church in my own self in here. Someday this Mustang's going to run. Come on. Somebody say, yeah. That's the way God is. He's in a restoration business. God is all about you, man. Come on. Somebody say amen at least. Give me something. Amen. Hey, yeah. <laughs> amen. Amen. That's where I was supposed to jump off the stage. Go, but I, I'm not. I'm not gonna do. <laughs> Whoo! Praise God. Let me wait. Let me catch my breath. <laughs> it is. Thank you for that. That was awesome. I just burned my upper torso. I want to sing a song that is also on this new album, and it, here's the thing: I uh, I did it live. It was at a uh, it was in Florida, and we were doing a thing called the Honky Tonkin Opry. <laughs> yeah, as you can tell, it was not a Christian event, <laughs> and they brought me in anyhow. I mean, there are people that were doing it were Christian, but it was definitely like an outreach type event. You know what I mean? And uh, so on this album, I started with, you know, good Merle Haggard songs and, and uh, you know, a bunch of good, you know, just good old-fashioned country music. And then there's a shift in the, there's a shift in there. And I, you can just feel the anointing. You just feel the Holy Spirit just begin to minister to the people. And if you know somebody that likes country music and they're not saved, I really believe that album will just walk them straight. You know, we'll hook them with good music and then bring them right into a message of salvation. It's, it's a, it's, here's a key thing. I didn't know I was being recorded, which is so awesome because, you know, sometimes if you know you're being recorded, you kind of straighten up and fly right. And they recorded all the messages in between. It's not just the music. It's all the word. It's all the stuff. And I thought, if nothing else, this will be something I give my grandkids and say, this is what I did, you know. And uh, I just, I'm just really excited about it. And this song, um, I, is more power to you on that? It is. That's what I thought. <laughs> should, should we do the other one then? The, uh, I'm going to do another hard song. I I was going to do a different song, but I'll, I might sing that later. But I, I think this song is more apropos for the message. This is where it shifted in, in the message. You know, we're having a good time. We're laughing. And all of a sudden, I just told him, I said, listen, I know that there's people out there, and including this room, this house right now, that it was everything you could do to get yourself up and get yourself in the house of God this morning. I know that there's people out there right now that are putting on a face that might be just beneath the surface. You might be struggling. You might be going through something. And I want you to know that one of the things that Gail and I are all about is being transparent, being authentic. And I think that sometimes we as a church, nace worldwide, have made it to where we can hide behind a veneer hide behind a fakeness where we, we know all the right Christianese words to say. We know how to say, how are you, brother? Oh, I'm blessed and highly flavored. You know what I mean? We got all that stuff down. We know when to raise our hands, when to say amen. But the truth is, sometimes below the surface, we're struggling. 
And the thing is, is we need to be real about that because that's what the body's really all about is coming alongside of one another and carrying each other. And you've got to be real to let that be seen. And especially in the cowboy world, I've been ministering to cowboys for a thousand years. I feel like it. And it's, and you know, it's when you start talking about words like love and, and all that, they, they, they're not connecting that. So you have to find another way to express it. And one of the best ways is just to be real. And I, I just, this song, you know, the bottom line is that it's okay to have a bad day. I just want you to hear it from me. It's okay to have a bad day. It's okay to have a bad week. It might be okay to have a bad month. It's not okay to have a bad life. God's got something big for you, and you can't get distracted and stay in the muck and the mire. And this song just says, you know what? I'm a, I'm a pretty happy guy. I wake up in the morning, I'm pretty happy all the time, but sometimes I struggle, and sometimes I cry. How awesome is my wife? She's so cool. She's the DJ. Let's listen to the words of the song. Well, I look the part. I blend in with the rest of the church crowd. I know the routine. I can tell you all the Bible studies in this whole town, right? I watch Christian TV. I know all the preachers and their cliches. Oh, I've been born again. Oh, without a doubt, I know that I'm saved. But sometimes I hurt and sometimes I cry. Sometimes I can't get it right. No matter how hard I seem to try Sometimes I fall down And stumble over my own disguise But I try to be strong As the whole world looks on Sometimes alone I cry Listen, well I try to speak faith I never give that old devil not even an inch to get in. I do worship and praise. I let everybody know just where that I stand. And on the back of my 1972 C10 pickup truck is a cross and a fist for the world to see. I know God is good all of the time. Yes, there's no doubt for me. Sometimes I hurt. Come on. Yes, sometimes I cry. Sometimes I can't get it right. No matter how hard I seem to try. Sometimes I fall down and stumble over my own disguise. But I try to stay strong. As the whole world looks on, and sometimes alone I cry. I'm not preaching a defeated message in any way, shape, or form. But I'm saying that we need to be real with one another. Don't put on a fake thinking that you need to be fake around us. Come on. Sometimes I hurt. Sometimes I 
cry But I try to be strong As the whole world looks on Sometimes alone I cry Yeah, I try to be strong As the whole world looks on But the truth is Sometimes alone Sometimes alone I cry Thank you, Jesus. For those of you that don't know, I work out of the office of an evangelist. And and I and I'm I'm good with that. Can I lay this here? I'm good with that. I love that. I love that's my heart. And so everything everything that I teach, everything that I preach, everything that I try to drop in someone's life has a the the way that my brain works is how can I represent the Father? How can I help you to represent the Father? How many of you know? And most say something really rough. How many of you know people don't have a, mostly people don't have a problem with God. They got a problem with you. They got a problem with us. They got a problem with the way we've represented him. And religion, religiosity, and I hope you understand what I mean by that word, religiosity, meaning a twisted understanding of who God is. A man-made attempt to reach the Father. That's what religiosity is. And what that does is it, it really does build a wall of works, of performance, of you better get right or you're going to get left. Ha! Right? Well, what I believe is that it's people like this. It's the people that's the team here that when you walk in this house, you know that all that stuff goes out the window. You know that when you come here, you're welcome. You're welcome as you are, and, and you're but but and you're going to be loved, loved like you never knew possible. And that same love, you're also when you discover who God is and discover that that amazing grace and that amazing relationship of the Father. What happens is, by fault, you begin to move from where you used to be to where He's always known you would be. Religion doesn't do that well at all. But relationship will move you from I have to to I want to. My heart is this morning is to that and we we always say we're supposed to represent Jesus. I say we should be representing him. Let's represent him. And so out of that heart I I always am discovering new ways to present him in a way that might help you to present him. And I think what I heard the message last week and something that God's just been laying on my heart, I want to share something with you that I believe that we'll do that. But I'm also going to step in the office of an, of an apostle today a little bit. And I'm going to just kind of challenge you as a body, as a national, international church of believers. I don't know about you, but with what's going on in our country right now, and don't worry, I'm not going to get political. I'm really good about not getting too political on Facebook, but I want to. And there's, there's so much that, that my heart is, 
<clears throat> How many of you know you can watch the news and you can let that get on you? Do you know what I mean? And you can get to the point where you're just like wrapped up in that thing. And the next thing you know, like my brother said, you become distracted. It gets weighty. It gets heavy. And then the thing is, then you get on Facebook or you get on social media. And I see there's like about 20 people like, I don't do that book face thing. <laughs> I get it. But there's a lot of us that do, right? And you get on there and you want to vent. And you want to say things. You, you want to express your feelings. Well, I don't blame you. But the problem is, is that we begin to have to really think about what we are representing, what we are reflecting, and to really consider. And I, I want you to be careful of what I'm saying here because I don't want you to think what I'm, I, I, this is what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we should be quiet. Matter of fact, you might want to write this down. I believe that love should not remain silent while hate is screaming. We have a right and a purpose and a directive to stand up and speak life in the middle of darkness. However, <laughs> we have to know the difference of reacting and responding. And we have to know what to say. Because there are a lot of people out there that quote unquote are believers that I don't want nothing to do with. That I do, you, know, you know what I'm saying? You read stuff, you're like, that guy don't represent me. You know what I'm saying? But at some way, somehow, I need I think that Christians have become silent because we don't know what to say. We don't know exactly when to say it. And we don't want to be hateful. But at the same time, we know we're supposed to say something. We just are struggling with what to say and when to say. And this is what the Lord put on my heart. I don't, I've been, I, I'm just, I'm just being real. It's been a bother for me. I see people post, I've lost so many friends during this time. And people that just, even, even if I don't post something, they believe that I think a certain way, so they're disconnecting from me. I've had people get ma mask or no mask, distance or no distance, COVID or BLM or all, the, all this stuff. All of it is just this huge spiritual distraction. And the Lord put this on my heart. I want you to kind of walk this out with me. Go to John 1, not 1 John, John 1. Verse 14, John 1, verse 14. And I want to show you something that I think is going to bring balance to us, but is is has changed my life personally. John 1, 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt, say dwelt. The, the Greek of that, or the Hebrew of that, is tabernacled. And that's what happened. He, he tabernacled in the Old Testament with the children of Israel by going, and he, his presence was in the tabernacle. You all know that, right? So now, what do we have that tabernacles with us? The Holy Spirit, exactly. He's dwell, dwelling. Among, if you were a believer, the Holy Spirit is called to dwell Amongst you, in you, on you, around you, through you. He's for you. 
dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. Say that, full of grace and truth. Here's what's interesting about that. Those two words don't normally go together. Grace and truth. You hear grace and love, (laughs) grace and hope, grace and peace, grace and good times. I don't know. But you don't usually hear grace and truth because at at their root, they're sort of diametrically opposed, seemingly opposed to one another. And at the very least, there's a tension between the words grace and truth. And truth. There's a separation, there's a distance, there's a tension between those two words. And Jesus walked perfectly, wholly, completely in the beautiful representation of the tension of grace and truth. He walked that out perfectly, grace and truth. I, I, I don't know about you. I know a lot of people. I'm probably one of those kind of guys that lean more on the grace side. If I come across people that are struggling with things, I'm the kind of guy because I struggled and because I fell and because I had hard times and because God restored me, I'm more leaning towards the grace side. That's just something I do. And sometimes people that lean toward the grace side struggle with bringing in the truth. You still got to love them so much that you love them not enough to not to leave them there. You got to tell them the truth. But I also know so many people that are full of so much truth that they have somehow learned this Bible inside out and they, they walk in so much truth that they use it as a weapon. And they're literally throwing stones or beating people with their truth. And then folks need some grace. <laughs> some of y'all are like, oh, I think he's talking to me. Matter of fact, some of the people that, that know the word so much, they and I'm a, I'm a word guy, I'm a word guy, but there's a difference in in letting the rhema come out of your mouth, letting the seed, let it seed life inside of you, and rather than use it as, this would be good to win an argument with. <laughs> I want to give you two examples of Jesus walking in the truth and the grace, the tension between those two things. If you go to you, you can turn there. I'd rather you read it later, but go to John chapter 8. I'm just going to tell you this story. I'm going to give you two stories, two truths, as pastor said today. John chapter 8. In John chapter 8, what we're learning about is the woman caught in adultery. Y'all remember that story? Here's Jesus early in the morning. He's doing what I'm doing right now. He's teaching. And he's, he's, he's kind of got a crowd gathered around him, and he's bringing the teaching of the word. And about that time, the Pharisees bring this woman that was caught in adultery and throws her at his feet and says, we've caught this woman in the very act of adultery. 
And according to the law, the Mosaic law, she is to be stoned to death. First of all, I have a few questions. Number one, where's the man? I find that it didn't say the woman should be stoned to death. It says y'all, <laughs> all of you, everybody that was, you know, y'all and come on. You know what y'all means, right? I know you're in Colorado, but you know, don't look at me like I was new cow at a new fence or something like that. What is that? Y'all, you know, another, and here's another thing I, I think is interesting is how did they find them? This is kind of a secret deal going on. You know what I mean? Here's the truth. It's a setup. It's a setup. It's one not a setup only they knew exactly what was going on and they had planned this whole thing out. And it's a setup not for the woman and the man, but for Jesus. It's a setup to catch him in the tension of grace and truth. It's a setup. And frankly... It's a pretty good setup. It's pretty, they got him. In a way, and, and if it were me, first of all, if it were me, if I was Jesus, I'd be like, you uncircumcised Philistines. You know what I mean? I would be like, I, how dare, double dog dare you bring this woman at the time that I preach it? You know darn good well what you do. You know, would you? No, just me. Okay, I got it. That's fine. I'd be, I'd be, I would have reacted already in anger. You know what I mean? And instead, this, here's the, here's the thing. They're not wrong. She was caught in adultery. And according to the letter of the Mosaic law, they're right. She's to be stoned. They're not wrong. And if Jesus had have reacted in just pure grace and said, let her go, then he would be going against his word, which is to what? Fulfill the law. So he couldn't just say, let her go, forgive her. He couldn't just say that because he's got a covenant that he's bringing us. Come on, you got to get deep with me here. But he also couldn't say, you're right, killer, <laughs> stoner, right? Because he'd be going against his word and says what? I've come to give you life. I've come to save the world. So he, he's caught in the middle, and this is, a, this is an important thing. So here's, here's what he does. He doesn't just react. He takes a minute. And he, the, the word says he gets down and begins to doodle in the dirt. I like doodle in the dirt. I just like that. Here, I think I should write a song called Doodle in the Dirt or something like that. Here's the deal. There's so many theologians that have come up with all kinds of things that he was doing. He was writing their names in the dirt. He's writing their sins in the dirt. You know what I think he was doing? Earlier in previous chapters, it says, I don't, Jesus said, I don't say anything the Father doesn't have me to say. And I don't do anything the Father doesn't have me to do. I think he's all God, but he's all man. And what he's doing is he's taking a minute. Take a minute. Just take a minute to not react, but respond. And what he does by taking a minute, he's talking to Father God, Dad. Hey, this is a good trap. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, come on. 
He's God. I got it. But I, you see what I'm saying? He's what he's doing is showing us what we could do. Instead of just reacting, we could take a minute. And we could doodle and talk to God a little bit. How should I respond to this? This is a pretty good point. Where do I stand on this? And he's doodling in the dirt. God touching dirt. God be, being man touching man. You, you, there's such a parallel here. So powerful. And he stands up. And he comes up with the most perfect reaction ever recorded. <laughs> he says, those amongst you that have never sinned, throw the first stone. you got to understand, they came with stones. They're ready to do the deal. They're ready to murder this woman. They're ready to stone her to death. And he says, those amongst you that have never sinned, that you've never got to a place where you deserve to be stoned, throw the first stone. And the word said, oh, come on, that's a good answer. <laughs> Woo, come on, that's a good answer. Don't you wish you'd come up with that answer? <laughs> Not me. I, I wish I would have, but I don't. <laughs> I don't want y'all to know some of the answers I've come up with. That's a good answer. And the Bible says one by one they begin to... Drop their stones. Come on, this is good. And then he says, he looks up. He goes back to doodling. Then he looks up and says, woman, where are your accusers? Oh, gosh. He's still saying that right now to you. Somebody in this audience right now, where are your accusers? How many of you know Satan is the accuser? So why do you think it's your job to be the accuser? But somebody in here has been, have somebody hammer you with accusations and, and making you feel walking in shame and guilt and pain and hurt. And I want you to know that is not God's plan for you. They, God's plan for you to set you free. Drop their stones. And she says, Father, the God, there are none. And he says this, grace and truth, neither do I accuse you. Now go and sin no more. Amen. Amen. Oh, that's good. There's so much more I want to go over that one, but I, I, for time I'm going to just kind of move forward. We'll get into the next story. The next story it kind of shows both sides of Jesus, this perfect walking of grace and truth, is in John chapter 11. When his best friend, Lazarus, dies. Y'all heard the story, right? And here's it. He's over at Capernaum. He's with his buddies. He's with his disciples. And he hears that Lazarus is dead or dying. What he says to them is, Lazarus is sick. And all the disciples do what we all humans do. We, let's go fix it. You're, you're God. Let's go take you over there. And I know you can fix the situation. And he's like, no, you don't understand. He's sick unto death. He's already dead. Boy, this is powerful. So what he does is he begins, he waits. He waits for four days until he's dead and gone. Good and dead, as they say. 
dead and dead. And then he starts walking. There's a whole theological thought process on this, the four days thing. Three days, a lot of people, you got to understand, people back then were very mystical. And, and they had a lot of beliefs and a lot of things. And so a lot of people believed that after three days, you, you could possibly be raised again by certain spells and stuff. But on the fourth day, <laughs> you're dead and dead. Right? You gone, <laughs> you know. So he waited until that fourth day. Come on. He waited on purpose until the fourth day. Why? Because he's on a mission. He's on a mission to bring glory to the Father. He knows what he's doing. He's already... Listen, the circumstance is that he's dead. It's bad. It looks bad. It feels bad. But Jesus knows already what he's going to do. It's a matter of trusting that he's got it in hand. So he walks up. On the fourth day, there's a big stone covering the tomb. And Mary and Martha, both separately, walk up to Jesus in anger. Where were you? If you had just been here, my, my brother would still be alive. Where were you? And the Bible says that Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. We've always taken that verse and thought that it's because his best friend, Lazarus, is dead. I don't believe it. He already knew he was dead. He already dealt with it back there. He already knows what's going to happen. He's not crying because Lazarus is dead. He's crying, in my opinion, from my understanding of the word. He's crying because the people, they call themselves believers. The people that are supposed to be closest to him and know him more than any other didn't believe and didn't really know him and know what he's able and capable and purposeful and what his mission is. They got him over here to fulfill turning wine into water, feeding people. They got him, but they don't really know what he's all about. And we still fall into that today. We still fall into using God when we need him, we roll him in and we roll him back out. But when it doesn't fit our circumstances or our narrative, then we begin to get angry with him. Where were you? Where were you when I went bankrupt? Where were you when my kids turned against me? Where were you when my marriage fell apart? Where were you when I was struggling with addiction? He's never changed. So he walks up. The Bible actually says that he groaned. And if you look up that word, it, it actually meant he was angry. Two tears. And he says, roll away the stone. And Martha comes running over and says, wait, wait, wait. That cat's dead. And he, <laughs> Old Testament word, he stinketh. He stinks in there. He's been dead for four days. He stinketh, right? Don't roll away the stone. We about to have a major problem of incense. <laughs> roll away the stone. And Jesus gets by her because he's not going to let anything 
not stinking flesh, not sin, not hurt, not pain, not even death, stop his mission. Come on. And he says, roll away the stone. And they do. Let me ask you something. Let me just stop right here. Here's my question for you, my heart. Are you a stone thrower or are you a stone roller? I just want you to process the takeaway, if you don't take away nothing else, when you begin to react or respond in these next few months, I want you just to consider, are you throwing stones or are you rolling stones? My, my dad used to say to me all the time, either you are, as actually my mom would say this all the time, either you are speaking life or by default you are speaking death. Either you're throwing stones or you're rolling the stone away and setting the captive free. Body of Christ. So they rolled away the stone. Jesus calls out Lazarus by his name. Lazarus! Come forth. Oh, man, this, this is powerful. Aren't you glad he called you by your name and brought you out of a dark, dank tomb, a place of death? Aren't you grateful that he took you from death into life? Aren't you grateful that he took you out of darkness into the light, exposed who you are, and let you live? Come on. Man, that's, that's the God you serve. Come forth, Lazarus. And here comes Lazarus. See, the thing is, he's alive. Come on, you got to get this. He's alive. But he's still in bondage. And he still stinketh. <laughs> just because you've been brought out of death into life, just because you brought out of you were brought out of the, the dark, dank tomb into the light of the Father doesn't mean that you still don't have some grave clothes wrapped upon you. Still don't mean that you've got some bondages that need to be dealt with. I'm going to give you enough grace to bring you out of the tomb, but I'm going to give you enough truth to set the captives free, to not leave you there. But what's so interesting is at this moment, Jesus rolled away the tomb or called them to roll the way to the tomb. Jesus spoke his name to bring him forth. But then what he does is he sees the body. He sees the people standing around him. And he speaks to the church. He speaks to the body. You guys, loose him and set him free. You guys do it. I brought him out. I put life to his bones. You guys, get over the fact that he stinks. Of course he stinks. He just came out of a grave. How, how are you judging him, the fact that he stinketh? Get over his stinkingness and get up next to him and help him pull that stuff off of him. That's the job of the body. That's the job of the church. The job of the church is that somebody walks in here and they, they are covered. They are wrapped up. They're in chains. They're in bondage. And you as a believer should love them enough to get over their stank and get up next to them and start pulling that garbage off of them. 
That's where you are, church. That's where you are, body. If you if we understood our roles and understood that we're 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 two, we're stone rollers, not stone throwers, and that we're supposed to get past their stank and get up next to them and love them through a process whereby they get healed, whereby they get the bondage and the chains come off of them. If you understood your role, then you wouldn't be putting the stuff you're putting on Facebook. You wouldn't be burning bridges to the very people God has called you to. This church ain't for This church ain't for religious people. This church is for the broken, the bound up. I know your pastor's hearts and I know this isn't about you come in and and you, you got to leave all your junk at the door. No, bring it in here. Where better to bring it? Listen. Listen, you got to hear this. You're not going to get healed up staying in a tomb. You got to come out and let that thing get exposed. You got to let your stink out. You got to you got to let people see you for who you really are. Because if you're hiding in your shame and your guilt and you're being fake, another fake Christian and you're staying in the dank dark tomb, you're never going to get freed up. A certain time, you got to trust people. At some point, you got to let them see who you really are. Come on. I know that certain people, this ain't hitting you at all. This message is so important for you to hear. There's two kinds of people in this room this morning as I just start to close. There's, as, as far as privy to this message, there's people that are in, have been set free out of the tomb and they've come out and the love of a body, a church of believers have helped them take the bandages and the bondages off one at a time. And let me just say something. That's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. And they need to be around people that love them enough to be okay with that. That in the process, we're going to get all of that cleaned up. But I don't know about y'all, but I still sometimes got that little, like, toilet paper around my foot right here. And my wife loves me enough to be like, you ain't going out in public like that. <laughs> hey, dummy, you, you still got something on, you shake it off. Come on. That's, that's, what a, that's what a church, people, there's so many people that are anti-church right now. We used to have unchurched and, and churched. Now, the fastest growing portion of people today are de-churched. And they're missing out of what it means to be a part of a body of believers that love you enough to get past your stink and get up and help you pull that thing off and that thing off and that thing off. But it can't be pulled off until you come out of the grave. There's another people here this morning that the stone has been rolled away for you. 
But for some reason, you haven't come to the realization of that. And that for some reason, you're just staying in the cave, in the tomb. And God has called you to come out. He's made a way where there seemed to be no way. He gave you life and hope, peace and joy. And it all is waiting for you. And all you got to do is take a step and come out of the tomb. It's like going to court. You've, you've seen people go to court and the judge hits the gavel and says, judgment's paid for. What would it look like if the, the person stayed in the courtroom? Somebody kind of come up and say, hey, they paid your bill. They paid your bond. They paid your judgment. Get out and live. Why are you still doing it here? Well, that's the same thing. We are so many of us are still staying in the tomb. I want you to know today, as we just bring the worship team back up, if that's okay, I want to play that song they played. And I want to speak to you out there with your eyes closed and head bowed. I'm not going to, to thank you, Jesus. Father, how do you want to do this? Just. With every eye closed and every head bowed, you can guys just start playing that. If there's someone here this morning that have never, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've never received the gift of salvation, the gift of coming out of the tomb. Maybe you've even been going to church for a long time, but you really made him your Lord, Savior. If that's you this morning, I'm not going to bring you forward. I just want to pray for you. If that's you and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, you say, today's my day. Today's my day to come out of the tomb. Today's my day to receive life that he gave me. I know I still got some stank on me. And I know I'll still mess up and I'll fall. But I'm going to come out of this tomb today and I'm going to make Jesus Christ my Lord and my Savior if that's you just raise your hand there's a hand back there in the corner I see that hand I see those two hands right there three hands all three hands raised right there is there anybody else say I want to make Jesus my Lord and my Savior this morning The four of you that raised your hands that I saw, is anybody else? You can set your hands down. I would ask that still every head bowed, every eye closed. There's the other group that I would speak to here would be those that have received Jesus Christ. You, you are saved. But some something has happened maybe in your life, some circumstance, some pain, some hurt, and for some reason, you've gone back into the tomb. 
Maybe you're just hiding. Maybe the pain of your circumstance, maybe the accuser has made you shameful. And I want you to hear from my heart today that shame is not of God. It's not God's plan for you to remain in the tomb. Shame is a lie of the enemy. It's a tool for him to keep you locked up and in bondage. Maybe one day you made Jesus Christ your Savior, but for some reason you're just still in the tomb. You're still in the dark place. Maybe you're thinking in your head, yeah, but I know that I'll still do that tonight. I used to pray that prayer. I know I can't, I can't go up there because I know I'll still fall to this thing. But what I didn't understand and what I hope that you do understand is that when you take the step of faith out of the dark place, his love light comes in and shines and it creates a pathway to restoration and healing. And we can help you take off those bondages and bandages. If you're struggling with something, some addiction maybe, some problem, maybe there's something financial in your life, maybe there's a marriage issue. Could I have every eye closed and every head bowed and nobody talking, please? Nobody talking? Nobody talking? With every eye closed and every head bowed, we're, I want you to ask yourself this morning, is the thing that I've been hiding from keeping me in a tomb? Is the thing that I've been allowing the enemy to accuse me of keeping me in shame and darkness? And if that's you, I just want you to know today is the day that you're going to come out of that bondage, out of darkness into his marvelous light. And we're going to stand with you. And we're going to help you, love you enough to help remove those bondages off of you. If that's you and I'm talking to you and you know it in your spirit, just raise your hand. Hands up all over. Hands, I see them. Hands. Yes, hands. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. What I would ask right now is the whole church to stand up. Everyone raise their hands and everyone that did not just stand up to your feet. I want you to hear me with something I'm about to say. There's something happens when you come out of your darkness and you take that step. And you may be sitting there thinking, I don't want anybody to know. If, if they really knew, they wouldn't treat me the same. I, I'm, I'm too, I don't really want, there's too much shame here. I'm just going to stay right here. I just want you to know as soon as you step out, his love rushes in and covers every sin. And the enemy's been lying to you and making you think you have to stay hidden. And so in boldness, as we play this song, in boldness, I want you to step out. Take a step of faith. All those who raise their hands for being becoming saved today and those who raise their hands and say, I've been in a tomb, I want you all, anyone to raise their hand for anyhow, I want you to take your step today out of your seat 
as they play this song, and I want you to come forward, play this song boldly and loudly, and let yourself be bold and step out of your hidden place and come out and let the Father love you. Let your body, let your church love you. Let your pastors love you. Let's do it right now. place of love right here. Come on. Let's do that. Let's do that refrain right there. That bridge. Do that bridge. Come on. Save and deliver. Come on, say that.
Make that your decree. Declare that right now. I'm going to live. I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to live. sings this part I know that we have a lot of us up here but I know there was a lot of raised your hands that didn't come out and I this isn't about guilting you or making you feel like pressure to do it it's a faith move it's a declaring and a decreeing that this thing has no hold over me anymore I will not re I will I refuse to remain in my dark place any longer father here I am in all of my stake here I am. Faults and all, here I am. And I thank you that you've brought me to a church, to a house under a pastors that will love me and help me heal and take the bondages and the bandages off of me. And I speak it and declare it in Jesus' name. Let's sing this again. Come on. Come on. Come out of the grave. Come on. We sing and let go of those chains. Let go of those chains. Let go of those chains. Come out of that grave. Come out of that grave. When we sing out, let go of those Let go of those Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I see one young lady up here that raised her hand for salvation, and I didn't see the other ones. I may be missing them, but if you raise your hand for salvation, I want you to come over too. We're all going to pray this prayer together. I want you to know when you hear my heart this morning that a prayer, a prayer doesn't save you. 
it's a heart change when you finally get it and you understand that the the enemy, the devil, and I'll say it, has kept you in bondage in a grave. And Jesus set you free. He rolled the stone away so that you can have life. What happens is when we do say this prayer, and I, it's just a contact point, same as oil. It's a contact point. It's a point of saying with your mouth what you believe in your heart. And the Bible says that when you say with your mouth what you believe in your heart, you are saved, <laughs> set free, and turned around. So I want us all to say this prayer. And if you, you're not comfortable with coming up and maybe you raised your hands and you just didn't feel like coming up, you can say this prayer and mean it. And the same God that's going to touch them can touch you right where you are as well. Is it God good? So let's just bow our heads and pray this prayer, all of us together. Say, Father God, I believe in you. I believe that you're true. And I believe you're full of grace. Grace enough for me. And truth enough for me. I believe that you're God. And I'm not. I want you to be my Lord. And my Savior. I submit myself to you I believe that you're, what you're saying is real I believe that what you said is true and I say with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are God that you are king of kings that you are lord of lords and that you have died for me for me and that you rose again so that I could have life. That I could come out of a tomb. You came out of a tomb. And I don't have to stay in the tomb. I'm coming out today. In Jesus' name. I say with my mouth and I believe in my heart that I am saved. I am saved. I am saved. In Jesus' name, I believe it. And I will never, ever, ever be the same. I'm a child of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.